Well, good evening. Welcome to Blue Springs Christian Church. We're glad that you have decided to be here for worship, whether you're joining online or here in person. It's so good to to be here and and just worship the Lord. Let's stand together as we prepare our hearts and our minds to uh, come before the Lord and come before his throne. If there's anyone that's new with us, we would love to hear from you online or in person. If you could please text new uh, to this number on the screen, that way we could connect with you. Let's sing together now. Do I? 
praise the Lord together.
our hope. You are our salvation, Lord, in Jesus Christ. Lord, we know that we are your sons and daughters adopted by the precious blood that was shed. And Father, we know it's only by your grace, it's only by your mercy, Father, that we've all fallen short. And Father, we thank you for your mercy and, and your grace and forgiveness and patience with us. Lord, help us to become more and more like you. Transform us into your image now. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you please be seated? We are so glad to be able to see you join us today. Uh, we want to let you know about something exciting that's coming up. Uh, starting next weekend, uh, we are participating in something called 1KC. Uh, we have over 300 churches in the Kansas City metro area that will be going through the Gospel of Mark uh, together. And we're also doing this in partnership with some churches in Ghana and Singapore and in Hong Kong. So it's a worldwide event. And the goal is to, to go through the Gospel of Mark together. Uh, we'll see that during our sermons on Sunday mornings, uh, upper room for the students on Wednesday nights, and then children's ministry will have that on Sundays as well. But we are going through the whole Gospel of Mark uh, during the six or seven weeks that are leading up to Easter. Uh, during that same time frame, we are encouraging uh, everyone to, to join one of the different Mark video groups that we have. These are small groups that will be uh, watching the Gospel of Mark verse by verse um, through a video format and then talking about it afterwards about how Jesus has affected their lives and uh, really how he applies to, to what's going on today. So we want to encourage you to, to join us in that and, and actually maybe invite your friends and neighbors that uh, don't know Jesus. This would be a great opportunity for them to get to know him. In addition to all that, we're encouraging uh, our folks to be able to, to go through a Bible reading plan uh, during that same time frame, uh, going through the Gospels of Matthew, Luke, and John. And then also we have a prayer initiative that, that happens during that same time. Our goal is that those um, six or seven weeks leading up to Easter, that we would be focusing on the life of Jesus. And by going through these Gospels uh, during that time frame, it would prepare our hearts and our minds to really celebrate Easter in an incredible way. We hope that you and your family will join us in and participate in as many ways as possible of this initiative and you can find all the details on our website at bscc.org. Hey, we are so glad also uh, for those of you who continue to faithfully give uh, to the ministry and, and work here at BSCC, whether you're giving at the boxes at the doors in campus or whether you're giving online or, or texting give to the number that's on the screen. We appreciate your donations and your ties, and we continue to use those funds to, to bless uh, the people in this community and, and bless the world as a whole. And for those of you who are watching online, we want to let you know that we're glad that you're participating with us. Uh, it would really help us if you wouldn't mind by texting your name to that number that's on the screen. That lets us know that who's joining us week to week because uh, otherwise we can't see you in person. And if this is your first time ever joining us, uh, we'd like to encourage you to text new to that same number. Uh, that way we can celebrate that someone new has joined us and, and partnered here. 
We hope that you're blessed uh, by this message that Dave is about to bring to us, and we hope that it changes your life. church. Uh, we're excited about our series that starts next week called One, where we're going to be working our way through the book of Mark, the 40 days leading up to Easter. And there's going to be a number of different components to this campaign. Uh, we'll do a, a seven-part series here in our worship services, our small groups. Many of them will also be uh, reading through, talking through the book of Mark. Then we're going to be able to provide for everybody also an opportunity to listen to the other three gospel stories about Jesus' life, Matthew, Luke, and John, by using the Bible app. So we'll be sharing that with you. Uh, our children's ministry, student ministry will be participating in this campaign as well. But it goes well beyond just BSCC. There will be hundreds of churches in Kansas City and many, many more, probably thousands around the world. This is an international campaign where we are one church, you know, one word focused on uh, one Lord, our Savior Jesus, that will culminate on Easter. So we're very excited about our one campaign that will kick off next week. But I'm glad to, to be with you in this service. I want to say hi to everybody online. Uh, so glad to have you with us. It's a joy to to be with you as well as everybody on campus. We are concluding our New Year's series called Transform. And what we've been doing here in the last four weeks is we've been looking at key areas of your life. We've looked at your relationships. We've looked at your health. We've looked at your thinking. And then we've looked at your work. And, and today we're going to look at a fifth area of our lives, our finances, such a, such a big part of our lives. And what we've been learning in this series is that God does not want us to be conformed to the pattern of this fallen world in any of those areas of our lives. Instead, what he wants to do is increasingly transform us into the likeness and the character of Jesus Christ in every one of these areas of our lives. When we think about our, our finances, I think probably, you know, what comes to mind would be the word uncertainty. I mean... You know, with, with the pandemic uh, continuing, people, you know, we, we, we wonder what, what, what's going to be happening. And there's, there's certainly optimism that the, you know, the, the COVID-19 vaccines are going to help in bringing an end to this health crisis and, and uh, as well then and, you know, eventually stabilizing the economy. But right now, you know, retail sales are down, the job market is stressed, the economy is floundering, and so... This time where we think about, you know, wh what's going to be happening in economically in, in this area of our lives, it's such a, I think, an important time for us to step back and listen to the smartest person in the world about money. And do, do you know who the smartest person in the world about money is? Jesus Christ is the correct answer. <laughs> you know, Jesus, it might surprise you. And the Bible spoke more about our finances and money than he did about heaven and hell. Interesting. He, he, half of the parables of Jesus that he tells are about this area 
of our lives. One day he's, he's talking to a group of people about how money can kind of work its way in, in, in such a way that it grabs a hold of our heart. Here's how he begins. This is Luke 12, verse 15. Watch out, Jesus says, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist or consist in the abundance of possessions. Money is sneaky. It has a way of kind of worming its way inside of us and, and attaching itself to our identity and, and to our sense of, of, of security and to our, to our heart. And so Jesus says, be on your guard against all of the dangers that are associated with this part of your, your life. And then he tells a story about how money can become an idol in our life. And from this story, I want to share with you or point out three ways that God would have us think about money. And let me just say that this way of thinking about our finances is rapidly counterculture because what Jesus has to say about money is really the exact opposite of what our world represents and has to say about our finances. But I, I believe that if we will approach our finances and think about money in these three ways, we will invite and commit to the transforming work of God on the inside in making us more like Jesus. So let's jump into this parable that, that he tells. It starts in verse 16 of the chapter, and Jesus told him this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Now, as we read this story, you'll see that this man is under the illusion that he's in control and that his success is, is you know, the result of his, his efforts and, he, he, you know, it, that it's all about him and that he's in charge. Jesus says, watch out, be on guard against all kinds of greed. And then he tells the story, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. So it wasn't the landowner, this rich man, that yielded the abundant harvest. It was the ground. Everything that we have, we, we have this sense so often that, you know, I've engineered this. I'm, I'm clever enough. I'm smart enough. I'm ambitious enough. No, the ground of a certain rich man, Jesus says. The first way of thinking that really transforms our finances is this, that everything I have comes from God. Everything in the universe belongs to God. You belong to God. You look up in the sky, the stars, the sun, the moon, all belongs to God. The trees, the grass, the rocks, all belong to God. Everything that has been created belongs to God. You and I, we really don't own anything. We, God has given us what it is that we have. You, you know, when we die, it'll, it'll be given to some, somebody else. Uh, it, it, somebody else had, you know, what we have before us. And so all that we have been given is really just a gift out of God's love for us, out of his kindness and goodness to us. But it's not ours. It's on loan to us. We are really, the truth in the matter is we are really all in management. We, we, we manage what God has given to us for maybe 60, 70, 80 years, and he's, he's watching, he's aware of how we use what it is that he, you know, 
loans out to us, but everything that you have belongs to God. He, it, it's a gift to you from Him. Your life, your brains, your, your opportunities. And you say, but Dave, wait a minute. I've, I've worked with these hands for what it is that I have. Well, you know, as you think about it, who gave you your hands? So this is a way of thinking about life that is transformational. When we stop and we realize and we take note that, you know, everything that I have, all of the financial resources, all of the opportunities that come my way in life, they've come to me from God. It, it all belongs to Him. And, I, and I'm a manager of these things. As you approach this huge area of your life with this way of thinking, it changes how you see your money, how you use your money, how you approach life and opportunities that come to you. But this isn't the way the guy in the story sees it. He, he sees it as, you know, belonging to him. He, he has brought about his own success. He, he is in control. He's in charge of everything. And so let, let's see how the story then continues. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. And then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Now, do any of these pronouns here sort of strike you? I, me, my, <laughs> my, my barns, my grain, you know, my surplus. And, you know, again, this guy is living under this illusion that he's in charge that it's all his stuff, you see, that he's the owner. And this illusion leads him, I think, kind of opens the door to lies about money that are very, very dangerous, that apparently this guy has kind of bought into, but lies that we need to be very much aware of. Let me just list a few of them. That, that money means I matter. That if we approach our money in this kind of upside-down way of thinking, then we can begin to associate our value personally and our, our worth personally with our, you know, our money and how much, how much stuff that we have. And that's a, that's a very dangerous lie that we need to be aware of. Money will make me secure. This is the idea that comfort and security have a price tag and that, that I, don't, I won't have to worry, I won't have to be anxious about my security if I just could have enough you know, money and enough stuff and things like that. And we, we place our security in our, our finances. And that's, that's a very dangerous way of approaching money. But the one I really want to drill down on, the lie that definitely this guy in the story had bought into, is that, that money will make me content. And this guy thought, you know, as I am able to tear down my barns, build bigger ones, store even more grain, you know, then, you know, in the years to come, I'm going to be able to eat, drink, and be merry, and just be very content in my life, you know. And he had bought into this lie. Contentment is really a spiritual skill. It's, a, it's an acquired skill. But I came across an email that I thought, you know, that's a pretty good little illustration about contentment and the, 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 the choice that's there. So let, let me just read this to you. These are, are, are journal entries. One is from a dog and one is from a cat, okay? The dog's journal entries. 8 a.m., dog food, my favorite thing. 9.30, a car ride, 
my favorite thing. 10.30, a walk in the park, my favorite thing. 12 o'clock, lunch, my favorite thing. 3 o'clock, wag my tail, my favorite thing. 5 o'clock, milk bones, my favorite thing. 11 o'clock, sleeping on the bed, my favorite thing. Excerpts from a cat's diary. Day 983 of my captivity. My captors continue to taunt me with bizarre little dangling objects. They dine lavishly on fresh meat while the other inmates and I are fed hash or some sort of dried nuggets. The only thing that keeps me going is my dream of escape. In an attempt to discuss them, I once again vomit on the carpet. Today, I decapitated a mouse and dropped a headless body at their feet. I had hoped that this would strike fe the fear into their hearts and clearly demonstrate what I am capable of. However, they merely made condescending comments about what a good little hunter I am. Losers. The difference between dogs and cats. Now, I will admit, I've never owned a cat. <laughs> But they do seem to just sort of have this sense of entitlement about them, you know. That if their captors do not give them everything that they want, well, they've done something horribly wrong to them, you know. On a much more serious note, Miroslav Volf is a Christian theologian, and he talks about the difference between the richness of having and the richness of being. The richness of having, where I, you know, I have a lot of stuff, I have a house, I have a, a second house, I have a car, I, ha I have a boat, I have another car, I have a lot of money, the richness of having. But then there's the richness of being, to be rich in love, to be rich in friendship, to be rich in joy, to be rich in learning. And all of us, we, we want the richness of being, but the illusion is that the richness of having will eventually lead to the richness of being. That if, that if I have more, eventually I will become, I will be more. And that's just not the way that it works. The Apostle Paul has a, a very different take on contentment. Let me read this to you from Philippians 4. I know what it is to be in need, he writes, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Jesus who gives me strength. So here's a second way of thinking that really transforms our finances. It's this, that contentment is found in God, not in money. And this guy in the story, he... He doesn't understand this truth about, about life and money. He, he thinks that, okay, as I accumulate more and more grain and more and more money, then I'm going to you know, reach this place of contentment. What a joyful day it is for a human being when they discover the secret of contentment. It is found in Jesus Christ. It is found in coming to this place where you joyfully say, in Christ, God is at the very center of my life. I have been forgiven of my sins. The Holy Spirit dwells inside of me. I'm a member of the family of God. Wow. I have some friends, I have some family, I have a roof over my head, I, I can get to where I, I want to go. 
do, do I really need a lot more than that? I mean, can't I just sort of exhale and be content? Yes, I can. What a blessed thing it is. What a joyful thing it is to come to understand the richness of the glories that we have in Jesus Christ. Contentment is an, it's an acquired spiritual skill. It's a way of thinking that renews the mind. And it really centers around reviewing the blessings that are ours in Jesus Christ. Recognizing, just reveling in those blessings that are ours in Jesus Christ to the point where we're able to say, you know, it does, I don't necessarily need to update my wardrobe to be content, you know. I don't necessarily need to have the newer car or, you know, to uh, re remodel that room to, to, to be content. I, I, I'm content in Christ, you see. And that doesn't mean that, you know, contentment doesn't mean that we don't have any financial goals or any financial aspirations or any financial problems or challenges. But it just means that we've come to, to really truly value all that God has already given to us in Jesus Christ. Contentment is this sense of understanding the, the treasure and value we have in Jesus. So I don't, I don't need to envy anybody, their wealth, their finances. Uh, I, can be, I can be content because I know that the love Jesus Christ has shown me, the salvation that he has given to me, there's no amount of money that can rival what I have been given in Christ, you see. Well, circling back to the story, as this guy reflects on his situation, he says to himself, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger ones so I can store more grain. And then in the years to come, I'll be able to eat, drink, and be merry and be content, he says. So how does the story end? Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then, you, then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Now, this word demanded is actually a, a word that was a part of the financial arena in Jesus' day. It was a word that lenders would use when a loan came due. And God was saying to this man, All, everything that you have is on loan to you. You don't own any of it. And all of it is going to be coming due this very night, you see. And this guy lives in, in such a way that he doesn't recognize the finiteness of his time here on this earth and that he's, he's going to die. And it seems like that there was a day when we were clearer about this and there was a day when parents would, would kneel with their young children by the bedside there and they would pray a prayer. You've probably heard the prayer, but I don't know if you've ever prayed it with your children. I, I can't remember Tammy and I doing this with our children. But the prayer goes like this. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Sobering words. 
But, you know, there's, there's a second verse to that prayer. It's, it's much you know, less known, well known. But I want you to just imagine you know, kneeling by the side of your bed with your, your young child and leading them in this part of the prayer. Our days begin with trouble here. Our life is but a span, and cruel death is always near. So frail a thing is man. Good night, sweetie. You know, <laughs> pleasant dreams to you, you know. But there was a time, I think, when parents took very seriously the importance of raising their children to understand that life is to be lived with eternity in mind. You see, that we, God has chosen to make us eternal beings. It's, it's a part of the value that he has placed within us. He didn't have to make us that way, but he, he has, the scripture indicates. And so if you measure richness the way the world measures it, if you, if you allow the world to kind of squeeze you into its mold in this way, God has to, you know, sadly say to you, you fool, you see. And so Jesus tells this devastating story about money. And then he says, this is how it will be for anyone who stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. And so the third way of thinking then that just transforms our finances is this, that money is to be managed with eternity in mind. And I think it's just real clear in the scriptures how, how, how we how we, you know, are to be rich toward God, that it just, it centers around, you know, loving God and loving people that matter so very much to God. And so money is to be seen as a tool that is used for God's purposes, that we are to love people and use money, where the world so often gets it backwards and, you know, tries to teach us to you know, love money and use people. I, I, I read where somebody you know, kind of saw money as being like manure. You spread it all out, things grow. But you pile it all up together, it's, it starts stinking, you know. Now, I'm certainly not saying you know, that we shouldn't plan for our retirement, we shouldn't have savings. Certainly, we should be doing those things. But money is to never be worshipped. We are never to hoard money. We are to use money. We, we are to use money to love God and to love people. And there's just so many, many different ways that we can do that. Use money for good. Use it for God. And I'm confident as you pray about it, God will give you clarity on how he wants you to live out, you know, this, this value. But I, I tell you where I think it starts for us. It starts really in submitting. Submitting to God, and not just submitting our finances, I mean submitting to Jesus our entire life where we say to him, Lord, all that I have, all that I am is yours. As you have given your life to me, I greatly, joyfully, and wholeheartedly give my life back to you, you see, including my finances. Millard Fuller had become a millionaire by the age of 29. And he, he tells about how by the, by the time he reached 29, he, he'd been able to give his wife, Linda, anything that she wanted. But he came home from work one day, and he found a note from her telling him that she was leaving him. And so he chased after her, and he caught up with her in a hotel room. 
in New York City on a Saturday night. And they, and they sat down and they talked in that hotel room till you know, the wee hours of the morning. And she just shared with him that the things that the two of them had given their lives to, that the world, you know, just lifts up as being so satisfying and enriching, had just left her completely cold on the inside. And she just said, you know, it, it feels like my heart is empty and I'm dead on the inside and I want to live again, she said. And so the two of them, they, they knelt down by that bedside there in that hotel room that night and they prayed. And they just, they just gave themselves to God and, and they made the decision that they were just going to sell everything they had and, and focus the rest of their lives on helping the poor. Well, the next day, of course, was Sunday. So they went to church. They said, you know, we, we found the, the closest Baptist church. We went there just to worship God, to be able to thank God for, for their new beginning. They, after the service then, you know, shared what had happened with the pastor of the church there. But the pastor told them, you know, such a radical decision wasn't actually necessary. But let me read to you what Millard writes. The minister told us it was not necessary to give up everything. He just didn't understand. We weren't giving up money and the things that money could buy. We were giving up. We were giving up. And Millard and Linda then went out, and they began an organization that all of us know about and we appreciate, Habitat for Humanity. The three truths that we find in this parable of Jesus that transform us when it comes to our finances are everything I have belongs to God. The contentment is found in God, not in money. And the money is to be managed with eternity in mind. And when we approach our finances and we use our, our, our money in this way, in the way described here in these three truths, we will become more and more like Jesus Christ on the inside. And that's what this whole series has been about. So I want to I close the message and close the series with a verse about the one that we are committed to following, the one that we are committed to becoming like in our character and in our way of life. This is from 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Wow! What a verse, what, what a truth to take into our hearts and minds that Jesus had infinite wealth in heaven. But if he, if he held tightly to that wealth, all of us would die in our poverty, spiritually in our sins. And so that was a choice that Christ faced. He, would, he, he could stay rich, but then we would all die poor. Or he could choose to die poor and enable us to become rich, to be able to be forgiven of our sins, to be able to be reconciled to our Creator, and to, to become a, a member of the, of the family of God, to have the door of heaven opened up for us for all of eternity. And so this verse reminds us that Jesus Christ chose to give up the treasures of heaven 
so that you and I would be able to become his treasure. The more that you, you understand the treasure that is found in Jesus Christ, then the more the currency, then the more the currency of money will no longer be your identity and your security. You, you, you don't have to look to your finances for your security. The cross of Jesus Christ has proven to you how much God loves you and that you can trust him to provide for your other needs as well. And so you don't ever have to worry about God providing for you as you seek him first, his kingdom, his righteousness, the word of the Bible says. What enables us to, to not allow greed to get a hold of our heart, what enables us to keep money in its rightful place, it's a wonderful thing that God blesses us with, but to keep it in its rightful place is to have a proper understanding of the treasure, the depth and breadth of the treasure that we have been given in Jesus Christ and then to live that understanding out in our relationships, in our decisions, in our words and actions, and in the way we manage our finances, you see, as we follow Jesus. And I, I don't know whether you will ever be rich in terms of how the world, you know, would define wealth and riches. And in the end, it, it doesn't really matter. But you can be rich toward God. You can experience the richness of being. And you can be rich in every way that truly counts. With every fiber of your being, for all eternity you can. And that's my prayer for us. That's my prayer for you. That the Holy Spirit will transform you in this most blessed way of being rich toward God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to, to consider what it means to live out Romans 12 too, to not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And as we think about that in this area of our, our finances in this service, we want to offer up to you, God, all that we have. It's yours anyway. We're, you've just loaned it to us. It's a gift from you. And we want to manage it wisely. We want to manage it with the wisdom of Christ. Recognizing that there is eternity before us. That we want to lay treasures up in heaven and not be obsessed with storing up treasures here on this earth. But we know that you have said to us, Jesus, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these things, all of the, the material things will be, be taken care of as we do. Give us that wisdom. Transform us in this way, Holy Spirit, we pray. Thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your goodness to us, for the treasure 
that is ours in Jesus, in whose name we pray. And all of God's people said, amen. Church, as we just remember the faithfulness of God, let's stand and sing together.
all that we have needed. God has provided, he has provided for our salvation. He provides for us daily through work and, and through uh, just every, every need that we have. He is so faithful to us. And as we, we just reflect upon that thought, let's go and have a seat and, and move into a time of communion as we remember how, how our, our sin was atoned for by Jesus on the cross. So let's just go ahead and remove the top off of, off of your communion cup and let's eat in remembrance of, of the body that was broken. And if you're joining online, we wanna invite you into this time as well, just to remember the provision of God through Jesus. So let's just do that now together. And in the same way, let's also just partake of, of the juice and remembrance of the blood that was shed. We just wanna thank you again so much for being here to worship with us. And if, if you're still kind of in this time of communion, please feel free to continue in that time. If you were joining on, online, if there's anyone that's new, um, if you could please text new. Again, we're gonna put a number on the screen earlier. We were supposed to give you this information, but if there's anyone that's new, we would love to hear from you if you could text new to this number. And the same goes for those that are joining online. If you could text your name, uh, your, your, your uh, specific name to that number, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, just an announcement, next, next thir- uh, I'm sorry, next, uh, next Saturday, February the 13th, we're gonna be having an event for all of our single uh, adults. And this is our second Saturday lunch. Um, this will be at seven o'clock PM, I guess here on campus, February the 13th. So if there's any single adults watching online here in person, we would love to, to have you for that, uh, February the 13th at seven o'clock PM. And then also next week, we are gonna begin our new series. We hope you can join us as we go through the book of Mark together with many churches here in Kansas City. Uh, We pray that you have a wonderful week. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will see you next week. If you could just kind of hang tight for a second, we're going to have someone come and dismiss you. Hope you have a great week. Bye-bye.